God's invitation to us is simple. His invitation to us is straightforward. And it's this, have faith in him. Don't do life by yourself. Don't pursue life all on your own. Don't pursue life as the world because those things are as the world. To pursue selfish ambition, to pursue selfish greed, selfish pride apart from God. God says, no, I want you to pursue me, to have faith in me because in me is life and in me is life to the fullest. And this problem with sin, which will cause your death, Jesus took care of on the cross for those who are in me. So have faith, have faith. Welcome to an exegetical study of biblical scripture. This scripture is God's speech, God's story, written through the hands of men by his spirit, and it's all about God's glory. My name is Bryce Ferguson. Join me now as we go into the word. This is Genesis. Father, the one who is holy, the one who is perfectly holy and perfectly set apart, the one who is so clean and so pure that your radiance and your glory are magnificent in all of the earth and in all of creation. Oh, that your people would see this. Oh, that your people would desire you in holiness. Oh, that I would desire you in holiness. Oh, that we would live in holy fear before you with repentant hearts and having faith in the one who is holy. Not having faith in anything else, but having faith in you alone, the good, good Father, Creator God, Sustainer God, Savior God, our Shepherd and our Guide, faithful and true. Pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please open with me to Genesis 24. We'll be starting today in verse 22. 
If you remember last week, and to connect with scripture here, the servant was commissioned by Abraham. Abraham's head of household servant was commissioned by him to take a journey of about 500 miles from the land of Canaan to go back to Mesopotamia and to get a wife for his son Isaac from his kindred, from his people. This was a big ask. This was a big commission unto the servant. It would seem only something that God could provide. Verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, let's look at this again. So Rebecca offers not just a drink. She said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. And we spoke about that last week. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again, ran again to the well. She was ambitious because of the motivations of her heart. Not ambitious for selfish reasons. She was motivated for other reasons because she loved generosity. She loved hospitality. And perhaps there was a foundational reason in her heart that drove her forward in love and passion. And it all seems so godly. So verse 20, so she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. She fulfilled that which she said she was going to do. Verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, again, she did what she said she was going to do. The man, the servant, took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these sayings. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, a summary of what had happened. He went to the man and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Going back to verse 22. Rebecca continued until they had finished drinking the camels, her tenacity, her commitment to what she valued in her heart. Let us not lose sight of this, even the little commitments that we make. 
the little motivations of our hearts. See, they overflow. They overflow into other areas in our life. She loved generosity. Therefore, she was motivated to fulfill generosity. She makes commitments with her speech. She carries them out with her body and with her strength because it all aligns with her value set. And these are all godly attributes. And what is the servant doing here in verse 22? He's preparing gold jewelry that he brought. We back up one verse. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. That from last week's text. When the camels have finished drinking, he takes the jewelry now. So he's done this almost about face. He was prepared with the gold jewelry to adorn her as the one the Lord had led him to, the one the Lord had chosen. And these gifts, these were significant gifts. I'm not an expert in jewelry or in gold jewelry, but the gold ring weighing a half shekel is about five grams of weight. And the two bracelets for her arms at 10 gold shekels is about a quarter of a pound. That's significant. That's a pretty significant gift. And we know that Abraham was well off. He had many servants in his household. He had many livestock. He had been blessed in a number of ways by possession. These were significant gifts. So this, if you were, for the ladies in the audience, if you were a young woman and you had this encounter at this well, your mind would start coalescing things here. That one, this is an unusual encounter. Two, you were generous. And this man seems to be different in the way that he is acting. He is focused. And he's not focused for himself. He's focused for someone else. He has this humility that he's exuding in the conversation, in his mission. He then not only inquires of her family lineage, please tell me whose daughter you are. But now he makes another request. He asked her for water. She says, here's water and here's water for your camels. And now he makes another request. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Is he talking about himself and the camels? Us? No, we see it here in the last verse, verse 32. Water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. So the servant did have other men accompanying him on the journey. But this is a big ask. He's now asking, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Now, maybe she has a little bit more inclination toward that because he just gave her gold jewelry. But honestly, I don't believe that that had any difference in it whatsoever because her heart was for generosity. And how does she respond? First, she answers the first part. I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Nahor is Abraham's brother. She is, 
she works out to be the second cousin of Isaac when you look at the lineage. And she added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder for the camels and room to spend the night. Look at the language there. We have space. No, she said we have plenty. Plenty of both. That is this utter hospitality. That is this desire to be hospitable. Because it starts in the heart. The motivation, what spills out onto your lips, what works out into your lifestyle, your routines, the way that you are day in and day out with other people, your neighbors, your coworkers, what have you, the other people in your life, it all starts in the heart. And for a heart who is generous, you're going to be generous. It's going to be lived out in your life. Like the book of James says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without works is dead. They have to be connected, but it starts in the heart. What am I desiring? What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of person does God want me to be? That's the burning question. And then, am I that person? Because once you ask, what kind of person does God want me to be? Then you have to look at your life and say, how am I living that out? How am I not living that out? Because I want to be the person God wants me to be. And she says, we have plenty. Plenty of both straw and fodder. Supplies for Materials for people who are not God, spirit, indwelled. Did I just say people? Things, creatures that are not God's spirit indwelled, that are not eternal. Even our animals, even God's creatures, they have plenty and room to spend the night. Of course, higher priority than all else all other creatures made on earth, humans, made in the image and the likeness of God, room to spend the night. How does the servant respond? Verse 26. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. This is confirmation to the servant that he has found the right woman for Isaac. Yes, it happened as he gave her the jewelry, but he was still asking her who she was. He needed to know, yes, God has lined up everything. Yes, God has answered the way that he was petitioning God to answer him with a woman at the well. But now he needs to know, is she of his kindred? And she answers, she is. So now this is confirmation to him that he has found the right woman. That in fulfillment of what Abraham has commissioned him to do, yes, it is here. This is the confirmation. And where does he go? Where does he go first? Sometimes in life, we're looking around. We, we run to our spouse. We run to our, our girlfriend or our boyfriend or just our best friend. Tell how we're feeling. We have to express our emotions. What does a servant do here? His attention, his thanksgiving is unto God. He says, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, 
she's there. She's listening to all of this. Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. This is all worship unto God. And he's mentioning the covenants. He's talking about Abraham and God's faithfulness and God's provision because God is always faithful and God always provides. And he proclaims, it is the Lord who is the one who granted the servant success in this mission. He didn't do it on his own. He's not claiming his own success. He's not looking for his own notoriety or his own fame. No. He's going to the Lord in worshipful prayer and thankful prayer. As for me, it is the Lord who has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. And I think she heard all of it, that whole prayer, because he's standing with her at the well. And the young woman, what does she do? Verse 28, she runs toward her mother's household. She likes running. It said earlier that she quickly lowered the jar from her shoulder to gather the water. And then she ran to feed the camels, or water the camels, rather. And she runs back. And now she's running to tell her mother's household. She has a lot of energy, first of all. But it also tells me that she is a woman on the go for the things which are important. For the things which are important. It moves her. She is motivated because she's not doing it for herself. She's motivated for other reasons. She leaves the servant at the well. This is a little curious. And she runs back to tell her family what just happened. Abraham's commissioned the servant. The servant seeks the Lord. The servant testifies to Rebecca. Rebecca hears, she turns around, and she's testifying to her family what just happened. Her brother hears and knows the man is still out at the well, so he runs over to him. They're a running family. Or maybe they just share so many of the same values. So as soon as her brother Laban saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and he heard the words that she had spoken to him, thus the man spoke to me. Again, a summary of what she had said, of what the servant had said to him, said to her, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels of the spring. So Rebecca was already wearing the jewelry when she came and told her family why. The servant had given them to her, yes, but she was also wearing them now. She receives gifts, first of all. She receives them. She doesn't just take them. She puts them on, but I believe it was done in faith. We don't read that the servant explains himself fully to her yet, but we know the servant both, one, presented her the gifts, and two, bowed his head and gave worship to God in her presence so that she was a witness 
to who was on the throne of the servant's life, to who his purpose was commissioned by, ultimately, like who was leading him in the journey, who was leading him at the well. He wasn't there. The servant wasn't there for himself with regard to her. Rebecca was witnessing the servant's new faith in God. Or the servant's growing faith in God. When you hear someone pray, it's a secondary thing, of course, because prayer is unto the Lord. But, but, but in group prayer, it encourages one another in the Lord. And that's why the Bible talks about praying together and encourages the church to pray together, encourages believers to pray together. When you hear someone pray, you gain great insight into their heart's desire, into their relationship with the Lord, into their greatest passions. Not everybody prays this way, but the ones who are focused on God in their prayer, orient their prayer for God's glory. Now, either newcomers to the church, newcomers to faith, or newcomers who just don't know that praying about shallow things, perhaps sinful things or sinful desire, like that's not something that God is focused on. God wants you to come to him in faith. A prayer for something that has really is basically trivial means and is neither here nor there and does not give God the glory. That's not the way that the Lord taught us to pray. How did Jesus teach us to pray? The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And he says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Starts his prayer with acknowledging God for who God says that he is himself. Again, not that what mankind would say about God. No, not the title or the definition that mankind would put upon God. No. What God says about himself, he is our Father, who art in heaven, and he is holy. His name is holy. And the orientation of our prayer ought be that God's kingdom come. So acknowledging God for who he is, acknowledging God in holiness and in his glory, and that all of this life on earth even is about his kingdom and his will being done. Not my will, God's will being done. This is the posture of prayer. And when you hear someone pray and they either pray the Lord's prayer or in a similar way, they're giving God the glory and the weight and the focus and the intention of the prayer is on the Lord 
then you gain a great insight into their heart's desires, into their passions, and into their relationship with God, too. It's kind of a bonus in prayer, but in this circumstance, there is a testimony going on to Rebecca from the servant. When you speak with someone in person, you see their wisdom, their motivations, their, and, and even more so than on the phone or anything that we have in our modern day. And they didn't have, obviously, phones or technology back then. But in person, you see the nonverbal postures. You see their, their confidence, and if they're confident or not. You see their intentions because their intentions come through and the nonverbal communication from their, their physical body and their, and their facial expressions. And you see their focus. Rebecca saw something powerful in this encounter at the well. And yes, it was the servant's focus and it was his humility and it was his dedication to the mission that his master Abraham had sent him on. But it was predominantly, I believe, the Lord. He is testifying to her that it is God who is leading him, that it is God who has commissioned him, that it is for God's purposes that he is there. And that's powerful. Laban, her brother, is outside and he's speaking with the servant. And now he says in verse 31, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, proclaiming in faith. Hey, it's our family, it's our kinsman. The servant of our kinsman. Therefore, our kinsman, and he knows he is blessed of the Lord, that God is leading him. Why do you stand outside for I prepared the house and a place for the camels? Laban, again, seems to have the similar value, the same value set as Rebecca. In hospitality, in generosity, he quickly asked the servant in the group with him to come inside their home. He offers their house and he offers space for the camels. He and Rebecca, separately of the same family, both make the same offer. Yes, we've got space for the camels. Yes, we have room for the night. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Again, as mentioned, we know that the servant had more men with him, along with the ten camels, making this huge journey about 500 miles, give or take, from the land of Canaan all the way up to Mesopotamia. And that's one way. So it would be a thousand mile journey. 500 out, 500 back, give or take. It's a big journey. It's a big step of faith for the servant, for the servant's budding faith, I think, in God. Let's look at this. The servant is stepping forward and stepping forward and stepping forward, right? That's a journey. Sometimes that's just getting out the door. Depends on what you're going through in your life. 
And he's watching God work at the destination and bring provision to what seemed initially is quite a challenging journey on the table, quite a challenging commission to actually come to pass. He asked Abraham originally, well, what if she doesn't go with me? Am I supposed to bring Isaac 500 miles with me all the way back there? Abraham says, no, I never said that. No, I'm reiterating to you, that's not going to happen. No, do not do that. And then the servant listens to Abraham, swears to Abraham that he will uphold the commission before him, and he goes on the journey. And the servant knew God's covenant with Abraham as he knew about Abraham's faith, and that to the great confidence of Abraham's faith. Abraham didn't just have faith in God. He was confident in the Lord. And what was faith by association is now planted in the heart of the servant. Let's reread verses 12 to 14. This is the first prayer from the servant here. Chapter 24, he says, O Lord, as he's at the well, he just got to the well. O Lord, God, my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. And then skip down to verse 27. Blessed be the Lord, he's praying again, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. And what does he say next? As for me, the Lord has led me. He's praying to the Lord. He says, as for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. The servant is now adopting his own faith. At least he is proclaiming his direct faith in the Lord. That it is God who has provided for him over the long journey, just getting to Mesopotamia. And then, what would be the odds that he would find a young woman from his master's family line and she would be the right fit for Isaac. But those are the odds. And we're not looking at this from a scientific viewpoint or scientific theory, because the Lord is in it. God will go before you and he will prepare for you that which is ahead of you. This is true for all of us in our life. Have faith. The God of all things has made you. The God of all things knows your every thought and your every motivation and your every heart's desire. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every cell in your body. 
He knew you before you were born. He knows everything you're going to do, whether it is for God or whether it is for evil. God knows you completely. And he also knows that the only way that you are going to have an abundant life, an authentic life, a wonderful, holy, righteous, fulfilling life is with faith in him. By not giving the glory unto yourself, by not trying to take glory for yourself, but give all the glory to him. Have faith. Have faith. The Lord is good. And the Lord will provide. Let's pray. Father God, Holy God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let those words impact our minds and our hearts, desires, our minds, thoughts, what we fill our days thinking about, the intentions and the motivations that we seek after in our life. May it be about your will here on earth, not our will. May it be about your kingdom here on earth, not about the earth, not about worldly ways, not even God about our desires. But may we with those two lay those down in surrender before your throne to give you the glory and the honor, the power and the praise. Because you are worthy and you alone are worthy. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Amen. Join me next time as we continue in Genesis 24.